Okay, looks okay. like it's registering me. We're good. Feels like it's been more than a week since we've done this. It's weird. Yeah, I think we've been hanging out without doing the podcast itself. Yeah. So it feels like a lot more things have happened. Yeah, I think that's it. It just feels weird. It's been a long time. Things start heating up. <laughs> this is episode eight. We only have two left after this. We're talking about chapters 15 and 16. Should I do the out-of-context summary? Let's do it. All right. So, in this episode, we play Is It Blood or Is It Ice Cream? It seems Big Baby Shimano might also have big brains. And Kuze's poop glasses are missing. They appear to be gone. We'll look into it. Should we go into chapter 15? Scattered light? Yes, let's do it. All right. So Majima and Sagawa are in Kemurocho hunting down Tachibana real estate. Majima heads to the champion district at Sagawa's suggestion, but runs into some Shimano family men who escort him directly to Shimano. My first note, Sagawa, luckily for Majima, is stuck hiding since they're in Kemurocho and he's in the Omi Alliance. And they're talking a little bit more about the issue of losing Makoto. And we learn that Sagawa is keeping secrets from Shimano. He says the girls are problem to solve and tells Majima, don't tell Shimano about this. And then he reveals some more information. He says that the Omi has a deal to buy the empty lot from Shimano for $10 billion. So I think we can assume that Shimano is the rat that Kuze was talking about in the end of the last chapter. His plan is to use the Omi Alliance to sort of take over the Tojo clan for himself. And then out of that deal, Saga would get the, the Omi half of Kamurocho. I wanted to clarify, because I was starting to get kind of confused, is that what is Sagawa and Shimano's relationship with the Omi Alliance? Yeah, I get confused as to why Sagawa and Shimano are sworn brothers if they're in different clans. But as far as we know, they're just working together. So the Shimano family and the Omi Alliance are working together to sort of take over Kamurocho from Dojima. That's all the notes I had. All right, so next scene. Majima and Sagawa meet with Shimano, who reveals his true plan and leaves Majima with a lot of questions. So my first note was when Shimano says to Majima, nothing to be scared of. And then Majima kind of has flashbacks and he starts to sweat and I think the last time he saw Shimano, he was being tortured by him. So I think he's rightfully kind of terrified. Yeah. He's definitely being affected. He's he's nervous. So I just think knowing that that's how he's feeling going into this is important for the rest of the scene. But another point, sort of building off of your questions in the last scene, Shimano and Sagawa are brothers, but it seems like Shimano's kind of above him somehow. It's an interesting dynamic, and he continues to say everything's going according to plan about Makoto, you know, being missing. And Sagwa was clearly left out. He's surprised by this. And I think we're sort of starting to see not necessarily a breaking point, but a crack in their sworn brother relationship. It, it reminds me of the three lieutenants acting all, like, brotherly and, like, supportive of each other because mm -hmm. they're under the same clan or same family, but they all want something for themselves. I think between these two, this might have been the final straw that breaks the camel's back because Shimano is hiding stuff from Sagawa, and Sagawa doesn't like that. Mm -hmm. He was pretty much no different than Majima being used and I think this is going to be the point where he starts going to make his own actions for himself. Yeah, he's at the very least definitely upset. And I think he's a little surprised and worried because where does that leave him in all of this? So maybe he's even wondering if Shimano is going to cut him out. But I also think that we might be developing some trust issues <laughs> with Sagawa <laughs> ourselves yes. because this guy has lied a lot. Um Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I don't know if we're projecting or what exactly we're supposed to be picking up on in this moment, but they have a weird relationship for sure. We're both having issues with trusting his intentions. But then, okay, so do you remember when I 
replayed this chapter, and then I sent you a picture of some of my notes <laughs> that I wrote in all caps because I made a like enormous oh, connection. You... Yes, yes. That I missed. This is the start of that. Um, oh, okay. So Shimano tells Majima, I sent you to kill her because I knew you couldn't do it. And through this conversation, he essentially says, you did exactly what I wanted you to do, even though it was disobeying my orders. And this is when Sagawa gets really irritated. He's like, do you want to explain this to me? So he's definitely like, the relationship seems to be degrading. But the big thing, I think, in this moment is Shimano predicted Majima 100%. And I think that really, really bothers him. Shimano was able to predict Majima exactly. So much that like this huge $10 billion or yen plan hinged on Majima doing what Shimano expected him to do. Mm-hmm. That's how predictable he is to Shimano. And he doesn't want to be predictable. He doesn't want to be controlled. And it's it's almost like even though he's not still in the hole being tortured by him anymore, he's still being controlled by him. So he still isn't free of that. And I think that just like, I think that hits him a lot. And then if you'll notice, he doesn't talk at all the rest of the scene. He's completely silent. Yeah, because he's, this is like, the scene where Majima starts to realize a lot of things that yeah. this is everything he's known, even with Sakawa cluing him in, still the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. He doesn't realize how deep it is. And I think Sagawa too, is he also doesn't realize how deep it is. This is not just a small game. He's not around here to toy with me. He's actually using me as a pawn. And I think Majima is realizing how much damage he could have done because of him being so vulnerable yeah and this will we'll come back to it but mm-hmm. him realizing that how effortlessly he was being controlled leads him to question a lot of things um but before we get to that shimino reveals that kiryu is connected to kazuma and says kazuma's been using tachibana real estate as pawns to keep his name out of everything and then does sagawa kind of defend majima here when he says that basically Shimano's doing the same thing, but with Majima. He's hiding behind Majima so that Dojuin doesn't know he's the one doing it. I don't think so. I think he's, again, in a way, he's kind of using Majima as an example. Because this is more so Sagawa being irritated at Shimano's games, his, his behind-the-scenes kind of puppet strings. And Sagawa is probably fed up with the way Shimano has been doing everything behind his back. So he's just pointing it out and taking small jabs at Shimano. So I think it's Sagawa's way of trying to get to Shimano using Majima as an example of like, hey, you're not that great. You're doing the same thing right. kind of thing. Yeah, I like that. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, I do think that Sagawa in some weird way likes Majima. But I think in this moment, like, he, yeah, he is so irritated at Shimano. And then that leads me to another point. We have two people now, Shimano and Kazuma, Kazuma sort of through Tachibana, who are basically saying, this is exactly going according to my plan. How is that possible? I mean, can that even be possible? Or is someone's plan about to fall apart? Did Kazuma's plan fall apart when Tachibana died? Was that the end of his plan going according to plan? Or, this is actually a question that I had, or, if he's so all-knowing, as Kiryu asked, did he foresee Tachibana's death, and did he not mind that being a sacrifice in his plan? I think it's a two-part. So the first part is, I think, Kazama and for Tachibana, I think it was that they had multiple plans, that in case Tachibana dies, we're going to have a plan in place. Tachibana also knew that he was on dialysis. I don't know what the medical... Uh, technology skills were back then, but he probably was especially knowing in an underground to... hospital, right? And so he probably knew he was going to die at some point. So I feel like dying due to his health versus being murdered, they probably already planned for it. But with the whole Shimano thinking it's going to plan, I think it's because they're. 
at different places. You can be still going to plan, but mm-hmm. just because you're three steps behind. Right. So I think that's the situation. His goals are probably in a way where Tachibana and Kasama's plans aren't affecting him. At some point they mm-hmm. will, but right now it hasn't intersected. So I don't think one's affecting the other. Okay. Follow-up question or follow-up point. <laughs> I don't know how, how I'll phrase it, if it'll be a question or just me talking. But So at the end of 16, or maybe just in 16, I think we both felt that Tachibana sort of said goodbye to Tachibana and just became who he was before creating that persona. So in that moment when he just returned to being Makoto's brother, was that the end of the plan? Did he not care anymore? Was he just trying to stay alive long enough to see Makoto and then entrust her, you know, to Kiryu's care to carry out the rest of the plan? Or was he still Tachibana? I think the former. I think it happened at the stairwell where he pretty much said goodbye and he, he talked to Kiryu and I think he knew at that point he can trust him and whatever happens to him, he's already accepted his fate. He he went back to becoming Makoto's brother at that point, knowing that whatever he needed to do, his plans can go, and he knows he can trust Kiryu to carry out those plans. I feel like the main indication, because I agree with you, and I think the main indication of that being correct is Tachibana doesn't have emotion. Tachibana doesn't trust people. But in that moment when he walks out to Lao Gui, like he has emotion, and even before that scene, he has emotion, you know, in the in the hospital. And he puts his life and Makoto's life in Kiryu's hands in that moment. So I think 100% that was, that was the end of Tachibana. So, <laughs> either Kiryu is now carrying out Kazuma's plan, and pretty soon that will butt heads with Shimano's plan. Um, I mean, is that what we think is happening, or is Kazuma's plan scrambled? I don't think so. They just need some time to regroup. Yeah, so Kiryu's carrying out Kazuma's plan. And we got Shimano's plan. And they're bound to butt heads at some point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do we agree? It took us a long time to get there. <laughs> yes. But we got there. I, I just, yeah. It's just not going to happen quite yet. Jumping back <laughs> a little bit. When Shimano's talking to Majima, he says his whole plan with this was to earn Makoto's trust. He says, real trust, not some backdoor deal cut over a dirty chat. Um, and I think this is where your notes start. So my notes start with saying that there's that love aspect that Shimano painted it out. And, it, and I think it's also Majima realizing that his affection or his love or whatever you want to call it is more dangerous to Makoto and him than to have killed her, to have her disappear and everything. He's kind of in a lose-lose situation because on one hand, if he saves Makoto and they stay together, she's just going to be used as a pawn for the entire Yakuza. But if he doesn't find her first and doesn't protect her, then she's at risk of getting hurt by other Yakuza members. And so either way, he's realizing that and he's like, what's my only option to not bring her harm? And he doesn't know this yet, that she's pretty much lost everything she has with her brother and her whole purpose of living and everything. But he just knows that she deserves better. And she should live a normal life and everything. So it's he's just trying to look out for her in a way where there is no, no way out. Exactly. Just building off of what you said, Sagawa even says, oh, I'm seeing it now. Love. So... Mm-hmm. And Shimano's like, yeah, so his plan was to manipulate Makoto into falling in love with Majima. And here is what made me write in all caps when I rewatched this. And I've debated how much of this to share now versus the finale, but I feel like while this scene is fresh in your brain, I just need to do it. (laughs) Rip those (laughs) band-aids. So here we go. Um, We're starting the arguing now. It's going to be a little early. (laughs) But here we go. Um, well, first, before I get into it, can we just take a moment to be really cringed out by Sagawa's line? I guess love is as blind as her. Oh my gosh, I wrote that <laughs> down too! I, yeah, a woman in love, uh, love will do anything for her man, huh? I guess love is as blind as her. I wrote that word for word down in my notes too. Come on, Sagawa. 
Oh my gosh. And it's so creepy coming from him, of like of all people. It was so weird and out of place. Yeah, seriously. But before you jump to your next point, yeah. I do want to say that there's actually... I actually have a point, and I'll, I'll go at very high level first mm-hmm. before I go into details, is I actually can see your point of view. Like, I didn't see it the first time watching it because yeah. I was still at that very shallow level. But I, I actually had, like, a point of realization where I'm like, gosh dang it, I know exactly why Leah was arguing for the way she is. Yes. And doesn't mean I agree. But <laughs> it doesn't have to. But, but, yeah. Yeah, but go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, get ready for another point of view. So we agree Shimano's plan was to manipulate Makoto into falling in love with Majima, correct? Mm-hmm. So Majima's sitting here listening to all this, and I think in this moment he wonders, if this was all planned, if this was his plan, if this is manipulation, she doesn't actually love me. It's fake. I I don't agree. I don't know if you can see my face. I don't know if fake is the right word. But look at it look at it from Majima's point of view. How do you manipulate someone to fall in love? Does that mean it's it's less authentic because it was manipulation? I get what you're saying, but at the same time, was it manipulation? Because manipulation happens with intent. Where if Majima and Shimano were in on it and he knew that he had to earn Makoto's trust then I think that's manipulation because he's purposely doing things with the whole I'm supposed to kill you, but I'm not going to, so that's how you can trust me and everything. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that he didn't know. Majima got played just as much as Makoto did and everything, and I don't think it's not genuine. I don't think it's manipulation because neither of those two had intent of tricking each other and everything. Well, ex- exactly. Here... <laughs> Let me get a little deeper. Okay. I don't doubt that Majima doubts his love for Makoto. I think he knows he loves her at this point. And even later in the scene, Shimano pretty much flat out asks him, you didn't fall in love with her, did you? And he, again, doesn't respond like when Sarah asked him. So I 100% think Majima knows he loves Makoto. But I think he was just manipulated, controlled, predicted to an extreme level. And I think that that is causing him to doubt every action that he makes. Is that really an authentic Majima choice? Or was the situation set up in a way for him to be forced into making that choice? And so I think that way of thinking, um, and it's temporary, but in this moment it's pretty raw. I think that way of thinking is... Him going, okay, so this whole situation in which they supposedly fell in love was manufactured. So I think that he can't be sure that her love for him is 100% authentic. And I think he can't know that because he can't trust his own actions because he was manipulated into making those choices that caused her to fall in love with him. It makes sense, but at the same time, when I was watching this, I thought Majima's, like, going through his brain, it was more about, how do I go from here, instead of looking back about what happened, is my love for her real, versus her love for me and everything. I think that's more like, well, crap, because right now we both love each other, so how do we move on from here without us getting played in the future? So I that's, see that's your how point. I see it. Yeah. I disagree with you 100%. <laughs> and here, here is why I think I'm right. <laughs> He's clearly affected by this conversation. And after he leaves this meeting, he just lets people beat him up. So I think he clearly is really emotional after hearing the contents of this conversation. At that moment when he let them beat him up, that is when it clicked in my brain, like, oh, he doesn't know if any of the love is authentic. And that's his moment of kind of wallowing in that, but then he gets back up and he decides, I don't care, basically, if she loves me or not, I love her. I'm still going to be Shimano's clown 
and I'm going to fight for her. And so he's going to keep doing that as long as it keeps Makoto safe, whether or not it's what Shimano wants him to do. It makes sense. My take on it was kind of different because right now I'm thinking of it as he's stuck with figuring out what to do from moving forward, not looking back about who's whether the, the any of their affection and their love was authentic or not. He's looking like, crap, what do I do? And I think the reason why he let the people beat him up was because he wanted to pull himself out of the game to not be used. Because he knows anything he's going to do moving forward is probably going to bring harm to Makoto. So I'm just going to let these people beat the crap out of me because I don't want to continue being played and being a clown. But later he realizes that the only way to really help Makoto is to be a clown. And so continue to let myself get played because at some point I'm going to deviate from that plan. But between then and now, I need to keep being a clown and letting Shimano think he's controlling my actions. So that was my interpretation of it. I hear you and I agree with you from the time he gets up <laughs> and says, I'll be your clown. So counterpoint, the reason I don't lean as much towards he doesn't know what to do is because they told him that he doesn't have to kill her anymore. He just needs to bring her to Shimano to sell the lot. Based on what we've seen from him, he wants to get to her as fast as possible to save her from anyone else who might be gunning for her because all she needs to do now is sign over the lot to Shimano. But I definitely see your side, and I think that it raises a good question. And I'm curious now, like, what most people who watch this pick up on more. Why is he upset? Why does he let people beat him up? I feel like this scene is, it's dry, because it's just a conversation. But I feel like we learn so much about Majima's character, even though he says five words the whole time. This is where, like, the actions speak louder than words. Yeah. So I, I do want to go back to one of your points saying that you don't think that Majima doesn't know what to do. I still am convinced that he doesn't know. Just because he knows if he goes to Makoto, he's risking people following him and then bringing harm to her. If he doesn't go to Makoto, then he's risking her getting hurt by herself. If he goes to Makoto, and does he take her back and then risk her getting disposed when they get the lane off her hands? Or does he get to her and then take her away and disappear? So it's like there's so many different choices. Mm -hmm. And I think Majima is just sorting through that. And that's why I think that's the, I don't know what to do because there's too many options and I don't know what the right option is. I do have one last point. Yeah. It's about his silence. And I, I wrote like, is this a moment where him not responding is more the realization that does he want to continue his path on being a Yakuza or not? Is it worth the whole vengeance and, and helping Sejima claim back his glory and everything. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's another consideration he had during his silences? Do I want to continue this path, which is pursuing being a Yakuza? Um, that's a good question because Shimano tells him, you don't have to kill Makoto anymore, just bring her to me alive, and you'll be back in the Tojo clan. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting point you make because now his bar to entry is a lot lower, even though he was sort of threatened into taking the hit job. He still took it, and he was pretty adamant about doing whatever it takes to get back in the clan. Mm -hmm. So there's that point of view, but then there's also everything that he's gone through so far, and him seeing sort of this other underside of the Yakuza. Yeah, is he questioning, is that really worth it? Because he's seen how many innocent people get affected by it. So yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I think maybe he's wondering. <laughs> but yes, to close out the scene, uh, Shimino reveals Sarah is still alive and he's in Camarocho. And he gives Majima Nishiki's name as a way to get to Kiryu. So are we ready to move on after like 20 minutes on that scene? <laughs> yes. I wonder how we're going to edit that down. Moving on. Majima tracks down Nishiki after a confrontation at the Kazuma family office. Short summary. Short scene. Just first note, Kashiwagi clearly recognizes Majima and says to the other Kazuma family members, 
he's above your level, so let me take him. So that makes me wonder, what level is Majima really at? Because he's still young, and he's been out of the family for a few years. So he was like early 20s, but he's at a level high enough to take on Kashiwagi, a family captain. So that kind of makes you wonder just how good of a Yakuza Majima was. It's the fact that he got to leave that really gives him credibility in mm-hmm. how, how strong he is. Yeah, somehow he's still alive because they all know what happens to people that get erased, mm-hmm. but he's still here. Mm-hmm. And then going back to my out-of-context summary point, after Majima gets beat up in the street, he's got like blood or bruises around his mouth. <laughs> and from a distance, it just looks like he ate a bowl of ice cream and there's just like ice cream in the corners of his mouth. <laughs> it makes him look so doofy. And its I don't think it's supposed to be funny, but I laugh at it. Even though Kiryu isn't part of the Yakuza anymore, part of the family, the fact that Kashiwagi wasn't going to give up either his name or Nishiki's name just kind of shows that his loyalty really lies with Kazama and the boys instead of loyalty with the Yakuza. Yeah, that family in general seems a lot more... Closer. Yeah, a lot more close, a lot more tied to loyalty than anything that we've seen in the Dojima family. And I think that that plays into the finale, which we'll talk about. But yes, they are definitely more loyal, for sure. And then my other point is that we get um, snarky Majima, because he's like, hate to get blood on your dusty office supplies. I know. (laughs) Right before he fights uh, Kashiwagi, so we kind of get a sassy Majima. Well, and again, he's the only person that properly reacts to anything. It's like, okay, yeah. yeah, the office is sacred ground. It's a stapler and some files. I mean, he's right. Eventually, Reina tells Majima that Kiryu and Nishiki lost Makoto three hours ago, right after Tachibana was killed. And this is when Nishiki fills Majima in on the whole Makoto-Tachibana background. And then, yeah, Majima leaves to go find Makoto and eventually locates her on a rooftop overlooking the empty lot. He runs up to her, and it seems like she can maybe see now. And she says, I thought we might meet again. And then it zooms in on her eye, and we're like, okay, can she see? And then the chapter ends. Any notes for you on the chapter? Uh, no, not much. I feel like I've got the juicy stuff out. All right. Chapter 16, yeah. Proof yeah. of Love. Well, should we get into Chapter 16 now? Proof, Proof of, of love. love. Yes. All right, opening scene summary. Makoto has started to regain her eyesight, but still has a long way to go. And she tests Majima. We find out that she can see light, mostly. She says just enough to get around town. So she still hasn't seen his face. She doesn't know what he looks like. Mm-hmm. And then she describes her meeting with Tachibana and says that when she touched his cold hands, something changed in her eyes and light came into them. Uh, Do you think that's the shattered light that was being referenced in the last chapter? I wouldn't be surprised. There's no other reference in that chapter that can be close to what's happening. Exactly. I think this starts to further justify... Tachiwana's death, which is something that we were talking about in the last episode. I think it was in this moment when she sort of decided to take charge. And what happened to Tachibana? Did it give her clarity? Did it give her purpose? And is she no longer afraid? And this shift in her is what starts to give her her eyesight back. She's no longer playing as a victim. That's actually, that's exactly how I thought it was. We agree! Until, <laughs> yes, until. Oh no, don't say though. until. <laughs> yeah. Until, yeah, as we see that, and I'm like, but the other spot of it is what happened if Tachibana didn't die? Do you think that she still would have gotten her sight back because she really wanted to see her brother and she had that resolve and everything? So that's like, I don't know. It's not that I mm-hmm. disagree or anything. No, it's a good question. I'm just wondering that what if Tachibana didn't die? Would she still be able to see? Because I was talking about, can we justify Tachibana's death? Mm-hmm. And at first when I saw this, I'm like, yeah, he had to die to prompt her to go through something like two, like two negatives is a positive. So two traumas, 
makes her go back to a reset to be able to see. But I, at the same time, like, well, what if he didn't die, though? Does that mean that she would never be able to see again? So I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. 100% there, but I do think we're on the same page. Thinking yeah. that his death prompted her to take action. Yes. The question is, what gave her her eyesight back? It was episode 14 at the end where... Was it 14? Where Kiryu talks about your own destiny is in your own hands. You can make your own choices. I feel like that's actually the start of what helped her get her eyesight back. Yeah. It's that Kiryu is the first person that she's encountered that hasn't coddled her. And maybe Tachibana's death just exacerbated her 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 trajectory of getting her eyesight back. Yeah, so I agree. That's the main question. Is her physically touching Tachibana what gives her her eyesight back? So if that's the case, she would have regained it when they met if he was alive. And that's why I think the answer is no, because when she touches him, I think that's when she decides that she wants to avenge him. And I think her having that purpose and that clarity is what Gives her her eyesight back. She has a reason to need to see again. To carry out her her plans. Makoto then asks Majima to kill the lieutenants and Dojima. It seems kind of clear in this moment Makoto's changed a little bit. Not only has she gained her eyesight back and has more of a purpose. If you think about it, she was willing to let Oda come with them. In what was that, chapter 13? After she knew what he did to her. But now she wants people dead. And that's just so the opposite of the Makoto we last left off of. And she asks him to do something that I feel like she should know he can't do. I think this is where there's some irony that happens where Majima... Here's the thing. Majima's whole thing was going back into the Yakuza was a redemption to get Sejima his reputation back. So almost like revenge on everyone who kicked them out. Or who betrayed them. But it's funny because he's trying to convince Makoto not to do that. And not to seek out revenge. Because he realizes that it's for him. He realizes how damaging that is. Because he sees it in someone else. And he's Mm -hmm. trying to bring her back to like the neutral side of things. Yeah. And he even says, that's not who you are. And I can't imagine that's who your brother was either. But then she seems kind of disappointed in his response. And she starts walking away. Like, she's just going to go do it herself. So is this a new Makoto? I think so. And it, we're, we're seeing some, some evolution. That's all my notes for opening scene. You have okay. any more? I do. Um, proof of love. So the theme is love. But the whole thing, the reason why Makoto is also trying to seek revenge is her love for, for her brother. And so between that, you have, like, the bromance. So it's it's even between, like, Kiryu and Ishiki, and then you have Makoto and Tachibana, Sejima, Majima, all of those. Those are all, like, they have that sibling love, and they would pretty much kill to protect each other. And so I I feel like that ties really well with this theme, because that's why Makoto wants revenge and why she's going down this path. That's a good point. I've always just sort of leaned fully into the chapter title relating to Makoto and Majima. Uh, But yeah, you can definitely see how Makoto and Tachibana could be wrapped up into that title as well. So yeah, is is that vengeance plan? Is that her proof of love for him? Next scene, Majima tries one last time to talk Makoto down, and Makoto makes her choice. So the first note is just you see with them walking to the takoyaki stand and then him taking the leaf off her head. Like, he just can't help but to take care of her. He just can't help it. And yes, the proof of love! It's, yeah, number one, it's cute. <laughs> but number two, yes, proof of love. And then also, we're going to get back into it, Kathy. <laughs> we're going to get back into it here. He clearly loves her. Okay, and then when the takoyaki vendor sees him take the leaf off her head. She's like, oh, he's a keeper. Majima's kind of like, oh, whatever. But then Makoto sort of thanks him indirectly in this moment when she says, like, oh, he is a keeper. He's been through all this stuff for my sake. 
And then he just has this look on his face like, okay, so does she really love me? You know, going back into if he is questioning that. I think he might even still be questioning it here if if he ever has been. Yeah. What do you what do you think of her thanking him in this sort of indirect way? It just seems sort of all of a sudden because like we talked about in the last chapter, she's never really given any real indication of her feelings towards him. But at this point, she does. The way you asked the question just prompted something. Previous, my thought and my theories was that Majima was trying to figure out a way to protect her and to distance himself from her. It's reversed right now, and they swap because Majima's like, that's not who you are, but she's like, I'm out to get them. And before, it was like Makoto wasn't wanting to do anything, but Majima wanted to still go into the Yakuza and everything. So with that swap in personality, Makoto is actually the one who's like, I'm about to leave him, so I'm just going to thank him because I'm probably going to die. Or or I'm most likely not ever going to see him again. Mm-hmm. And so I might as well just thank him and, and kind of like end things here. Yeah, that's a good point. Is this just like closure for her and goodbye for her in case he refuses to help? Mm-hmm. But then they start talking about what she wants to do and he tries to be logical with her. And, like, he knows he's crossed the family before. He knows what they'll do to her. And he sort of tries to warn her about that. And they still just, they don't agree. They want to help each other, I think. But they just don't agree on the best way to do that. And that's when she gets him to leave to get more takoyaki and is gone by the time he gets back. But she leaves him a message with a homeless guy who gives him a place and a time to meet her. This is when we learn that she not only has not seen his face, she still hasn't heard his name. The homeless guy says, she said she didn't know your name, but to give this message to the guy with the takoyaki. She doesn't even know who he is at this point. It's crazy. It pains me. Seriously, it pains me. Yes. And you know exactly why why it hurts me so much that she doesn't know his name. It hurts. It's in this moment, and I feel like they add this detail because it's incredibly important for the the final scene. Moving on to our next scene. Pretty short summary, short scene. Majima refuses to let Makoto act alone. So, I know you don't have any notes. (laughs) So I'll start it and maybe you'll have uh, some epiphanies. So Majima shows up at the meat spot and Makoto isn't there, but some Shibasawa guys show up and he eventually gets her location out of them and says... That her sending them was as good as a formal invitation. And I have always had a hard time wrapping my head around this. Why wasn't she there and why did she send these guys? The only theory I've been able to come up with is it's to remind Majima of who they are, what they've done, and just how shitty they are (laughs) so that he'll want to come help her. But I mean, how do you see this? Why does she send people? My question is, how did she even send them, right? At this point, we don't know if she has ever encountered Shibusawa's group of people. And how is she going to find the time like, hey, are you the Yakuza? By the way, you should go to the empty lot and fight this one mysterious guy. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Here is what I think happens. I think she knows about the Shibusawa family from Kiryu because they were after them in that taxi chase and then when Oda dies they're the family that shows up and I think she went to Shibusawa because she knew of him from Kiryu explaining who had Tachibana when he was being tortured. But how does she find Shibusawa? I'm sure she could just stand in the street and be like, hey Shibusawa... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm ready. You know, just because people are looking for her. Um, yeah, because they say she reached out to them, so I don't know how you do that. Although they all have offices, so maybe mm-hmm. she just went to the office. This is when Majima learns that Shiwasawa family is responsible for killing Nishitani. And I think that angers him. And obviously Makoto doesn't know about that, but it sort of works in her favor because it definitely pisses him off and makes him want to go attack them (laughs) all the more Mm -hmm. anything else for you nope all right last scene so moving on shibusawa is named dojima family captain 
Makoto carries out her plan but makes a miscalculation, and Majima arrives at the Sebastian building where his year's worth of anger reach a boiling point. So my question is, do you think Makoto would have been able to like say that Dojima agreed to to shoot all three of his lieutenants? Mm-hmm. Do you think Makoto would have been able to let that carry through? Yeah, I think in this moment, yeah. I think she would regret okay. it a lot. From what we've seen of her character, she doesn't want people dead, even Oda. So yeah, I think she's just she's riding high on the, the revenge plot. And mm-hmm. I think she would have gone through with it, but it probably would have felt kind of empty afterwards. Mm-hmm. But just real quickly before we move on, mm-hmm. Kuze's poop glasses are gone. I know. <laughs> They're gone. So... Did Kiryu break them when he mega-punched him in the face <laughs> in the end of chapter 14? Is that why they're gone now? I think it's to make them look less powerful. Between he and Awano, they both have dimmed. And Shibasawa's basking, like, I'm so great, and whatever. Well, but that's a good point, too, because doesn't Shibasawa normally wear glasses? He's not wearing glasses in this scene, either. Oh, that's, that's true. Did they just forget <laughs> to add the glasses in? I don't know, because it might be a thing, because Dojima, um, he's wearing glasses, right? Like, shades. Well, they're sunglasses. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is that he, like, maybe it's out of respect that he's the only one who can wear any, <laughs> like, sunglasses, glasses-related thing. But it's also, on, on the topic of Shibusawa just preening in, in Dojima's presence, he could have bad-mouthed. Kuze and Awana, he could have just taken the credit and just kicked those two out. So why didn't he? Or why didn't he like make some snarky comments to just kind of show how incompetent Kuze and Awano are? I think it's because he has just control over them at this point. They've both failed mm-hmm. and now they're taking orders from him. So I feel like he has them right where he wants them. Going back to Makoto's demand for the heads of the three lieutenants... Mm-hmm. This is the continuation of her transformation. Old Makoto would not have wanted this, but she's pretty intense, pretty serious about this. And we'll see that maybe new Makoto isn't <laughs> the best version of her. But right before we get to that, I absolutely hate condescending Dojima once again. He tells Makoto that she should have more respect for the land because her grandfather left it to her. But are you kidding me? People have died. Her brother died in the lot. Shut up, Dojima. It's so irritating. I hate that he says that. I was more irritated that, like, you don't even have any rights to to comment on that. Mm -hmm. Because you don't know anything she's been through. Exactly. Just like the stupid condescending cheek pat. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. The, The CCP. He threw her into this, and he has the audacity to tell her she should have more respect for the land. And I also hate how he's like, women and children should know not to mess with the, like, not to mess with the Yakuza. Even if he had just said women, I'd be more okay with it. Mm-hmm. But he kind of associates her with being a child. And that's just an unnecessary level of insult that she doesn't deserve. So yeah, I hate this guy. And you're going to start to hate him a lot when we get to the next game. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> But yeah, then Majima arrives, and it's a whole new level of angry with him. Fights his way up and reaches Makoto right in time to see Laogui shoot her. And then they all just leave. And he's left there and has to fight for her. Well, has to fight to just not die in this moment. But does he prove his love in this moment by busting in to save her in front of the entire Dojima higher-ups? Because that's very clearly going against the family. So is that is that proving love? I guess so. I mean, it's not like it isn't, but it also isn't. Like, that's the sole reason that he's doing it. He's doing the right thing. If Nishiki was the one who was lying on the floor after getting shot, Majima would still do the right thing of fighting all these people to, to go help Nishiki out. Yeah, I get that. That makes sense. It's kind of like why he got sent to the hole in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, choosing his brother over the family. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this guy's not afraid to <laughs> go against family wishes even after mm-hmm. losing an eye to them. Um, but this is the first time that Majima takes his shirt off for a fight, too, just like Kiryu in mm-hmm. the last episode. 
So is this sort of like what we are maybe speculating why Kiryu took it off? It's sort of reclaiming that Yakuza relationship he has with himself. In all the other games, they always <laughs> take their oh. shirts off to fight. And they're okay. all in the Yakuza at that point. So I guess my association with the shirt tearing is you're in the Yakuza. Okay. I think for someone who's never who's watching it chronologically in terms of the game... It's for cinematic effect. I think as a player of this game, knowing the background of how it happens in the rest of the series, I'd say it's for the connection. So okay. I think it's just that, like, when, when's the first time you ever seen them mm-hmm. take their shirts off? That makes sense. Yeah, that's a good point. But I do want to say that both times Majima had a shirt off, he was a Ramakoto. So. That's true. <laughs> yeah. He was just feeling hot, maybe. Mm-hmm. He reaches Makoto's side, and she's still alive, and sort of apologizes to him and says, I just wanted to be able to do it on my own, but all I did was cause you more trouble. And that's really sad, because I feel like this is the end of the Makoto transformation. Like, it was so Mm -hmm. short-lived. She was, Mm -hmm. you know, ready to take the fight to them, and she immediately lost. That's sad to me, because we love to see empowered Makoto, even if it was a little naive. And mm-hmm. she bit off a little more than she could chew. Her storyline is so sad because she's so helpless and she doesn't mm-hmm. want to be. But then when she stops being helpless, she gets shot. Yeah. So we learned during this part about the reflection how there's two ways of getting the empty lot. The first one is finding the owner and buying it from them. The second way is making sure that the owner never shows up so that they can never bring them to court. And so at this point... I guess Dojima knows that Tachibana's dead, mm-hmm. and with Makoto dying, no one's going to come up and claim rights to the plot of land. So it went from this billion-dollar piece of land to like being worthless as well as Makoto's dead. And that's yeah. how quickly things are happening in this game. This piece of land, you had to worry about losing a billion dollars at the beginning of things to, if we just kill her, we don't even have to pay a penny kind of situation. Yeah, I think Makoto doesn't realize that with Tachibana dead, her leverage is gone. It's sad. She had a ginormous miscalculation, finally trying to be not helpless, and it backfires. And it sucks. Poor Makoto. She just can't win. Right? And I do want to point out, just in my notes, the whole point of justifying Tachibana's death. This part of Dojima explaining the death of the lot owners is his insurance of making sure he gets the the piece of land to continue with the project. And it kind of explains why, in the end, he had to die. It does change the plot of the game. So there are mm-hmm. reactions and ripples to his death. It sucks. Because Makoto literally lost the last thing she had. The last thing she had to do anything mm-hmm. is a piece of land. And now this land is worthless in Dojima's opinion in terms of needing to buy it. Yeah, she's too late. That goes back to our time thing. Mm-hmm. Majima is pretty upset at Makoto's side, but then Sarah arrives and they rush her to the hospital. And that is the end of the chapter. The whole thing of Majima just pretty much being willing to do whatever it takes for Makoto to survive mm-hmm. is proof of love. I have that note too, and then also, is this, if, (laughs) going back to it again, Mm -hmm. is proof of love, could it be in reference to Shimano's plot to make Makoto love him? Is this proof that the love is real? I think so. Yeah, it's when someone's dying and you just have to admit it, others you're just going to regret never showing them that you love them. So, it's mostly just Majima showing the proof that he loves her not quite the other way yet but i think this really seals in any doubts of them loving each other yeah i agree and then i just wanted to point out majima has two chapter titles proof of we have proof of resolve and proof of love and i don't know what that says about his character let's look at proof of resolve first that's chapter four Oh, this is when it starts with Saijima and Majima. 
Mm-hmm. And he has his nightmares. And this is when he accepts the hit job. So I think proof of resolve is more looking at his goal of getting back into the Yakuza. You know, him accepting the hit job is proof of his determination to make that happen. And then it's very contradictory to this chapter, proof of love, which is him proving his love for Makoto, no matter what the cost is, with his chances to get back into the Yakuza, which has been his goal this whole time. And, you know, maybe it's like, which one is stronger? Proof of love, proof of resolve, which one outweighs in the end? I think it's interesting that he has two chapter titles that start with proof of, because it shows that his character is just having to prove things to people. Well, that makes sense, because ultimately in his life, he's trying to show proof that he's loyal to Mm -hmm. the Yakuza again. Yeah, and then that it gave me a, like a follow-up question. He ultimately, even though he doesn't agree with her choice, he shows up anyway. And so, I mean, do you think that he made the decision to help her at this point? Is that decision sort of weighing proof of resolve versus proof of love for him, for his character? I think it's just kind of... He's in different parts of his life. When he was doing the proof of resolve, he was trying to help his brother out like his his direction was different and he's like i'll kill whoever this makoto person is just to Mm -hmm. get back into the yakuza but now it's i don't care about that my love to makoto i'm gonna prove that yeah exactly so has he shifted i think is my question from like a viewpoint of proof of resolve to a viewpoint of proof of love has his character shifted okay Mm -hmm. i definitely i think so I mean, any more closing thoughts from you? Nope. I'm looking forward to the finale. Love is painful, y'all. Oh, yeah. First hand, we see it here. It's fake, but someone wrote it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> someone must have gone through yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> that, exactly. Exactly that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I'm excited for the finale. We're going to argue. And we're going to argue a lot. And I'm really excited for it because this is what led to us starting this whole thing. And mm-hmm. we have been holding this conversation inside for five months. For five months. And it's just been yes. brewing in there and I cannot wait for us to unleash it. We'll post it, including the after credit scenes. We cut out the credits, don't worry. And yeah, we'll analyze the finale next week. Can't believe it already at the end. Anything else before we hop off? Nope. All right. Well, I'll see you in a week. Get your get your fighting gloves on. Do you wear gloves to fight? Get your get Kuze's bra- brass knuckles. <laughs> and his poopy glasses. His poop glasses. I really hope Kiryu broke them. That's my theory. I'm sticking to it. Sign us off, Kathy. <laughs> I, I said sticking. <laughs> <laughs> that works. That's it. That works. Okay. All right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So voice recorder on one, three, two, one.